0: stuck in traffic in Jackson or Meridian or cruising along the coast in Biloxi or Ocean Springs MPB goes with listeners wherever they go Your company's message can go along too Go to mpbonline.org/underwriting to find out how Good morning it's 8:30 on Wednesday April 24th I'm Karen Brown and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio On today's show, a new report praises Mississippi for its quality pre-K program. But what about the majority of kids who don't have access to it? Then the VA secretary talks about his agency's suicide prevention efforts. And after a Southern Remedy Health Minute, find out why more Mississippians could have been exposed to measles in Hattiesburg. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is being recognized as a top performer in the quality of its publicly funded pre-K program, according to a new report from the National Institute for Early Education Research. But in spite of the quality of the program, the number of children who have access to it is still small. Steve Barnett is with the Institute. He tells MPB's Jasmine Ellis more about this year's report.
1: So there are basically two sets of Benchmarks for policies. Uh, One set of policies is about what you could call program structure. Uh, So what are the teacher qualifications? Uh, What kind of specialized training are teachers and assistants required to have? Do you have early learning standards? What are your class size and ratios? And then there's another set that are basically about how well does the state support implementation? And those are are things like, do you have a continuous quality improvement system? Are there supports for uh, adoption and strong implementation of a good curriculum? To be one of the tops on quality, you have to do both of those things well.
2: What was it about Mississippi that made the Institute say, okay, they are one of the top states for high-quality pre-K? What was it about the state?
1: Mississippi meets nine of our, our benchmarks for minimum quality standards, and so there are these 10 program features that we think are essential to offering a high-quality program. They're not a guarantee, but if you don't have them, then, then we we don't think your chances of being high-quality are very good. Only three states meet all 10, and relatively few get eight or nine, so that Mississippi has nine of these, that's a, a good signal.
2: How does the Institute determine that Mississippi is doing well when there are only 14 collaboratives across the state?
1: Well, so, so Mississippi is doing well at the 14 collaboratives. Uh, that, that's all it applies to. Uh, as with many other states, uh, the issue in Mississippi isn't so much whether you're doing a good job or not uh, with the kids you're serving the issue is it's only five percent of the kids and that needs to grow um, now looking looking ahead from the year that our yearbook covers to 1819 uh, we already know that the uh, legislature increased funding from from 4 million to 6.5 million so that's a a real jump, but it's obviously not a jump that's going to double the size of the program. If the program is growing two or three percentage points a year, it's going to take you a long time to get to half the kids. And at some point, program growth will have to accelerate if Mississippi is going to do a good job with most of its children.
2: Stephen Barnett is with the National Institute for Early Education Research. Thank you so much for talking to me about the State of Preschool 2018 report and where Mississippi falls within that report. I truly appreciate it.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: Alita Fitzgerald is with the Children's Defense Fund. She says early learning creates life-changing opportunities for children in Mississippi, but because of limited state funding, those opportunities are often not available to low-income families.
3: It is better than it used to be, but we, uh, we have a long way to go. For the most part, resources to support struggling families, and you know the cost of child care is tremendously expensive, Unless your child is able to get one of the slots available through head start and you're income eligible um, the the rest of uh, the resources are we have a, a minimal amount of resources that come from from uh, Mississippi state budget so we have we're making inroads to reaching children out there who need to have early education experiences whose families don't make enough money to be able to afford it so that they can stay at work and grow at work, Uh, and children can come to school more ready to learn. Uh, But we still have a substantial number of children in the state who don't have access uh, to quality early childhood education. What
2: impact does pre-K have on children?
3: well pre-kindergarten is generally referring to some a child that's four years old. Early learning opportunities uh, that start at age three and younger actually increase a child's what do we call it, brain science brain infrastructure uh, so that they are alert they are recognizing their sounds their letters uh, their numbers they're starting their their There are different levels of development that a child goes through toward learning. When you get to pre-K, you're actually talking about school readiness. But a child as young as three, there are things that the child should be doing or should be grasping in order to be moving toward a trajectory to be successful at school. And there are, there are instruments that can gauge where the child is in that, in that pathway. Uh, and, and if we had children having access to resources, we could ensure that those children are get, getting what they need if they show weaknesses on those instruments.
2: For children who are unable to attend pre-K, what impact does it have on them when they enter kindergarten?
3: For children who come into a kindergarten program not having had quality early learning experiences, it could be very, very detrimental to their little psyches. If you've got a classroom of children, a kindergarten classroom of children, and you've got 30 children, 28, 30 children in a classroom, given our funding situation in the state, and half of those children have had some sort of early education, early learning. They enter school with socialization skills. They enter school uh, being somewhat independent, being able to, to get to their seats and follow instructions and all of that. And they have some knowledge of um, the literacy that they they should have attained. For a child coming into kindergarten who has not had those experiences and many parents don't recognize that their children have not had or are not getting the experiences that they need because a lot of people just think children just need to play and they need to be safe and fed and they're not really knowing nobody's there to tell them or to suggest to them that you should be playing with your child in a way that increases their, their brain capacity and, uh, and learning and literacy. So some of those children that enter school systems that haven't had any of that, you have children who will not know their full names. You have children who will not know their colors, who will not be able to, uh, recognize numbers, uh, will not be able to recognize shapes. Uh, their, their language skills, uh, uh, might not be where children's language skills are if you just look around your family. You know, uh, there's a small child there. You can tell the difference in a child that's been, that's been in a, in a language enriched environment. Uh, so those children enter behind and if we are not able to catch them up, they will
2: stay behind. Alita Fitzgerald is with the Children's Defense Fund. Thank you so much, Ms. Fitzgerald, for talking to me just about pre-K education in the state and what can be done about it. Thank you so much.
0: Coming up, the VA secretary talks about his agency's suicide prevention efforts. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
4: Calling 811 before you dig is more than just a smart thing to do. It's a necessity when trying to stay safe at your home. April is National Safe Digging Month. And today on Fix It 101, we welcome Robert Leslie from Atmos Energy to talk all about safe digging and knowing where your utility lines are. Also, Jeff, Dale, and Jason will be ready for any of your DIY questions as this spring season is in full bloom. Join us for the next Fix It 101 this morning at
0: 9 on MPB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Every day, some 20 American service veterans take their own lives. It's an important issue to address, says VA Secretary Robert Wilkie. He says veterans can get mental health help at any VA clinic or medical center in Mississippi. Secretary Wilkie talks about his agency's suicide prevention efforts with MPB's Ezra Wall.
5: It goes back to the culture, um, and the culture has changed in my lifetime. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Um, I, I grew up in a military family. Uh, the emphasis was on uh, being tough and making sure that you showed everybody that you were tough. Uh, you could not show evidence of weakness, uh, or you would risk the being ostracized from the community. Uh, as a result, we are doing catch-up when it comes to um, mental health issues. Uh, I, I've said um, that we're not even at the Sputnik stage when it comes to getting our arms around mental health in this country. And VA is certainly part of that. Uh, I am now the head of the President's Task Force, a National Task Force on Suicide Prevention. Uh, I believe that we now have to take a whole health approach to veteran suicide. And when I say whole health, I'm not just talking about mental health. I'm talking about uh, opioid addiction, homelessness, everything that's on that continuum that sometimes leads to veteran suicide. The second thing that we have to do in terms of how we respond at my level is open up the aperture uh, for money to flow to the states and localities so they can help us find those veterans who are outside of our system. The tragedy in America now is that Every day, 20 veterans commit suicide. So I've been going around the country, particularly in Native American communities, in Alaska and in the Great Plains um, and in the Southwest, and asking the Native American communities to help us find uh, those veterans who are outside of our system. I know
6: people are more than statistics that reflect them, but like right. how, 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 many, uh, uh, how big a problem is suicide among our, among our veterans? 20 a day. The other
5: side of this is that the majority uh, come from the Vietnam era, my father's comrades from Southeast Asia. And in many cases, we have problems that began building when Lyndon Johnson was president. Uh, I can't say that we can overcome all of those, but what we can do is bring to the table the National Institutes of Health, HUD, HHS, Department of Defense, and VA, and come up with a more comprehensive uh, medical approach to the problem uh, as well as a whole-of-government approach that would include organizations and entities outside of the federal government. It's working in many areas in the homelessness fight. I mean, not too far south of you in New Orleans, uh, they've eliminated veterans' homelessness by having the city work with groups like Catholic Charities to find Veterans get them off the street and get them into transitional housing, which New Orleans happens to have quite a bit of. You're
6: talking about uh, some of the things that work on a big systemic level. Uh, bringing that down to like the real world level for an individual yeah. veteran, yes. what services are available for that Absolutely. person who,
5: who might not know about them? So uh, for all of our veterans, we have same day mental health services. Um, you can walk into any of our VA facilities and tell us that you need help in those areas and you will be taken in. That's the first. Uh, the second is uh, the White House hotline and our VA hotline. We're, we're dealing with about 2,000 cases a day of people who've come to us for help uh, that we're addressing. And, and in that sense, we are, we are reaching out uh, with those resources. The other thing that we're doing is in conjunction with the Department of Defense, uh, we, we have even opened VA to those who have had other than honorable discharges. Uh, we know that there are thousands of soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines who left the service with that other than honorable designation that in part was due To uh, trauma uh, that they experienced uh, overseas in combat and we are saying to them for the first time in the history of VA um, you are welcome we are opening our mental health services to you Uh, the other thing that's practical is in the last year uh, we've been able to bring on about 3900 mental health professionals uh, the reason that number is important, even though 3,900 across the country may not seem like a lot, is that we are uh, in the middle of a, a drought in this country when it comes to mental health uh, professionals. Uh, we are competing with the private sector for a very small pool of Americans who specialize in mental health issues.
6: If a veteran hears this or or the family member even of a veteran hears our conversation today and and wonders how they can get in touch uh, with the VA and get their loved one enrolled, or if they're already enrolled, get them the services that they need, how can they reach out to the VA?
5: They can call us. They can come into our uh, facilities across Mississippi and just tell the people there that they either need Mental Health Help, or the Veterans Crisis Line is the one that we have uh, for the entire country. It's 1-800-273-8255. They can press 1 when they get that number, or they can text 838-255. And we also have trained professionals who are ready to chat 24 hours, seven days a week, at www.veteranscrisisline.net. So there are many ways you can do this. You can go to a VA facility with your family and tell us. You can use the 1-800-9. You can text us. You can go online uh, for a chat. Those numbers or those uh, services are open 24 hours a day, um, and we find. Uh, that they have been been working. Uh, VA
6: Secretary Robert Wilkie uh, has been uh, talking with us about uh, veteran suicide prevention, and uh, it's important important work. And, uh, and And good luck with it, Mr. Secretary. And thank you for joining us.
5: Well, thank you, and thank you for letting me at least come back to the homeland, uh, at least via phone,
6: via telephone, uh, indeed, via
5: telephone. As As I said, my uh, my ancestors run deep in the Delta. And uh, it's always good to talk to Mississippi, and uh, it's even better when I'm back
6: there. Yes, sir, and thank you for joining us. I appreciate okay. your time today. Okay, take care.
0: Coming up, find out why more Mississippians could have been exposed to measles in Hattiesburg. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
7: One program to get people off the streets in Los Angeles is called Rapid Rehousing.
5: It's grand is finally have something that I could call mine and I could come home every night, lock
7: my door, just know that I'm safe. People in the program are expected to eventually take over the rent in one of the most expensive cities in America. I'm Ari Shapiro. The struggle to stay housed this afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News.
0: Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio.
4: I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of pediatrics and internal medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and this is a Southern Remedy Health Minute. Okay, I'm
5: calling reference to uh,
4: cholesterol, what type of food, you know, that has most cholesterol in it. So let's talk about cholesterol and foods. When we talk about cholesterol intake... Uh, usually that's like animal foods and processed foods. So anything with fat in it, that's going to have some cholesterol. Plants and fruits, they don't really have a whole lot of cholesterol. They have a little bit of plant cholesterol, but not that nasty animal type cholesterol. It doesn't mean that you have to just cut out all animal meats, but lean meat, particularly if it's chicken or fish, I tell people, hey, if it swims or flies, it's fair game. Uh, The things you want to stay away from is like pork, red meat, Sausage or processed foods, they have a lot of that fat and cholesterol in there. So that's some general ways you can help on cutting down. However, and it's not just the total cholesterol, it's the type of cholesterol. HDL, that's a healthy or good cholesterol. LDL is the main bad cholesterol. I think of it like lousy LDL and then healthy HDL. The American Heart Association. If you'll look at that up, like American Heart Association and cholesterol, then they can give you a ton of information. For more health tips and medical information, listen to Southern Remedy each weekday morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio.
7: Mississippi. Live healthy on the go with the MyBlue mobile app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play. More information at bcbsms.com. It's good to be blue.
0: Whether you're a thrifty shopper or someone who likes to buy the whole store, Change is the program that will allow your purchases to show your support for the quality content on MPB Radio. This easy and no-hassle program rounds up your credit or debit card purchases to the nearest dollar and sends us the difference. You support MPB and get something nice for yourself. Designer for Change, visit our website, MBBOnline.org, and click Support. This is MBB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission. More Mississippians are at risk following a measles exposure in South Mississippi. The State Department of Health says Turtle Creek Mall in Hattiesburg is being added to the list of places visited by an out-of-state traveler who visited Mississippi while contagious with measles. The person was in Mississippi April 9th through 11th. State Health Officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs says people who were potentially exposed should call first before visiting a doctor's office
7: potential symptoms of measles, which would maybe start out with fever, cough or nose, red eyes, and then progress to rash. If you do develop symptoms potentially consistent with measles, please call your physician or call the emergency room and let them know that you might have been exposed to measles. It's very, very contagious, and we don't want people who are contagious with measles going into crowded waiting rooms or crowded emergency rooms. Measles is actually contagious for days before symptom onset and certainly days before rash. So... It's important to know that just because you don't have a rash doesn't mean you couldn't have measles and you couldn't be contagious. The other thing is uh, make sure that you're up to date on your immunizations. Um, for for most of the individuals, who want you know two two shots of MMR, and and you can contact your physician or medical provider to make sure that you're you're up to date. Um, again, measles is extremely contagious, and we also want the, the public at large to be aware that measles is actually is a is big outbreaks across the world in the United States. So this may be an ongoing concern, and certainly we'll be communicating more with the medical community to make sure they're fully aware and prepared.
0: Dr. Thomas Dobbs. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Fix It 101. Then at 10 o'clock, it's Everyday Tech. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online by visiting MPBonline.org. You can also download the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play Stores. Or you can subscribe to Mississippi Edition in your favorite podcasting app. I'm Taryn Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8:30 for the next Mississippi Edition, only on MPB Think Radio.
7: health minute is underwritten by blue cross and blue shield of mississippi information on how to make good health a family affair is available at bcbsms.com live healthy live blue
3: a new sci-fi book on how asteroids